0: we're just chilling that's the deal it's supposed to be just a regular you know regular hanging out dude just having a wee bit of fun there's a wee bit of fun mate (laughs) hello everybody welcome to the lost out podcast today i didn't even ask if y'all guys wanted to use alias or you want to go with your first name go ahead and introduce yourselves i'm cullen we have cullen over here
1: how y'all do
2: today howdy doody (laughs) howdy y'all Name's mike
0: mike all right we got cullen and mike I brought them on because they we were actually we planned it to be it was like would you say it was August 2019 that it we had,
2: late August about early September of last year
0: that was our idea we were trying to get together both of all three of us so we could talk about storytelling and uh, the reason like it was like kind of creative writing the reason why I wanted to talk about it because I remember I was in uh, basic training and they get you know those little notebooks that are kind of like this you know they gave you the little ones and they were supposed to like make notes for the little books and we are like stay stand there and read right well i always had it open and i had the note like right there and i would just be writing like a story you know like and it ended up being like a full kind of fledged book i mean it was horrible but i mean because <laughs> i don't know anything about writing but like whenever at the end of the day we were in our bays right and i would read to everybody and then everyone was all like What are you gonna write? So I tried to write like a chapter a day, you know? Or I just kept writing and writing and writing trying to do this development. It was very like anime esque, like fighting and stuff. So it was very manly kind of, you know, cool stuff. So
2: testosterone film. Oh yeah.
0: There was like a little bit of love interest and stuff, but that wasn't the main focus. So it was like there has to be like some kind of love interest thing. But anyway, I was like, This is so awesome. As soon as I got out of basic training, I got my phone back and I just stopped writing. Like, <laughs> like, that's just how I got. But it was like, we didn't have any distractions. So, with any downtime, it was like, I'm bored. What am I going to do? Well, I'm, I could talk to people, or I could be writing and then read it to people. So, it was really fun. But you guys both write and you all do creative writing. You've both been working on books and they've been coming together slowly but surely, right? So, I wanted to ask you guys about creative writing and storytelling. Um, specifically um, what influenced you first that made you decide that you know what I could write a good story because you've been reading and you're like you have ideas when did I, what influenced you yeah you go ahead Kellen.
1: that would be about freshman year of high school I finally hit the rut of these books they're great and all but something's missing yeah so why don't I try my hand at doing what I'd like to see out of these stories.
0: What do you, what, you have anything specific, like that was that you feel like was missing?
1: The big genres that really pushed me that direction were fantasy and science fiction.
0: Okay. Yeah. I was a fantasy reader myself, that's where that basically was my favorite.
1: Yeah. Some science fiction, but mainly fantasy. It depends on the fantasy, but there were some that I took a great liking to and others that mm, they weren't quite my thing what like well i mean you guys like explain
0: to me what is it that's your that it was missing and that's you didn't really, like what's the things the elements that you do like and the elements that you don't like before we move on to mike over here
1: i like a well-crafted story i love well-written characters yeah so it's development. hard to find a good story that has both action and character development uh-huh and I will admit, sometimes I am a bit of a sucker for a well-written love interest. Mm-hmm. But you, it's hard to find all three of those things in the same book. Yeah, Most are either the, it's all about the love interest, or it's all yeah. action. It's
0: like, which, what is the focus, is what you're saying. And you want to have a perfect blend of the, so there isn't one that, was, that takes precedent over the others. Do you see what yes. I'm saying? So there needs to be like a broad... A, like a broad goal that is set, and then you have to focus on getting characters that develop simultaneously together, as well as a relationship or a love interest that also does, and really in depth, like I guess you would say, combat writing as well. Yeah. So progression in that field as well. So it's like a continual progression. Everything is progressing simultaneously and blended together in a perfect. Is that what you're trying? Is that what you think?
1: That is the only thing I'd change in that. I don't want simultaneous character progression. Because okay. no two people grow at the same pace. Mm-hmm. So when you have the, oh, we all achieved the same realization at the same moment, it's boring.
0: Yeah, I guess I see what you're, what you're talking about. What about you, Mike?
2: So my interest uh, was a little bit different than his. I initially had no intention of getting into writing when I started. Um, the interest started with several of my own friends in high school, and they'd asked me to critique some of their work. Uh, distinctly, I remember one of them, his name was Anthony. Uh, he was much more well-versed in uh, sci-fi areas in terms of his writing, but I distinctly remember sitting there, it's like, okay, well, you could write write it this way or that way. He he had, um, he had trouble describing things. That was his biggest niche, and that is, we would collaborate a lot. And eventually it uh, came to a point to where I was it's like, hey, I think I could actually come up with some ideas and write out short little excerpts and uh, short stories from as kind of reference. Okay. In how I think it would be improved. And mm-hmm. from there on, it's just history. And I started coming up with my own ideas. Other friends who were interested in writing kind of shared their thoughts on my own work, whether it's garbage or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, though... The greatest growth for me in terms of actual writing and coming up with uh, my own style, if you will, and greatest influences was when I got into uh, reading sci-fi, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my favorite authors is—he uh, writes about Warhammer Forty Thousand. Okay. His name is Dan Abnett, and then um, I really liked the way he took um, ordinary humans. Mm-hmm. And put them in extraordinary circumstances and how he developed them in basically a battlefield. From there, I developed my own writing and um, personal life experiences also influenced my desire to get into it more.
0: Yeah, so you think that uh, the the characters that you write, I've heard that uh, some people... They'll base them off of people that are in, in their lives or experiences, and some authors will have their elements of themselves in each of their character, in, in, in every character. Right? Yes. And But I can't, it can't be a mix of two, I guess you would say. But I do, I mean, I think that to be able to write a really good character, you have to base it off of something that is personal to you. Um, that's what I was reading, because I was reading a little bit about this before we even had the, the discussion about like major writers, my, my, one of my favorite writers of all time. Is uh, Brandon Sanderson I think that he is just an amazing and he pumps out books like crazy dude like insane and um, like the stormlight trilogy mm-hmm. that that is like an, an amazing trilogy but there's also like Bre- uh, like Brett we- Brent weeks is another good one and he's really good on character development as well so I wanted to ask how do you build a compelling story I want to get both of y'all's perspectives and where does that come from? Is it takes work, obviously, but like, do you have to understand where you're going with it? Like, do you have to? Because I've heard some people say like, know the ending, and then so basically write out an ending, and that's your that you're moving towards, and then just kind of so know where you're gonna end up. But other people have said, no, you just keep going until you don't because the ending when you start if you do that then you're gonna your your idea of what the ending should be is gonna change so much to where it's
1: just gonna bother you all the time so what do y'all think how does it how do you build a compelling story so for me I choose the ending first that is the set in stone this is their ultimate goal okay this is what they aim to achieve how that ending comes to pass is always free to change. Mm -hmm. That is the one thing I absolutely stand by with my writing. Nothing is sacred. Anything can be cut or added. Okay. So, say a certain scene doesn't seem to fit too well anymore. Well,
0: off it goes. Yeah. And say this character is just not funny. So, I'm going to kill him.
1: (laughs) Characters can die, but it has to be well done. That is... I hate oh, well, I don't know what to do, so this character's gonna die now. I see it. So, what about you?
0: What do you think, Mike?
2: So I'm about the same as as Colin here. Um, However, a lot of people describe the way I write is... It's called pantsing. Pantsing? Yes. So some writers, they'll go and develop their plot lines. They'll have... A firm beginning they'll have an end, and then they'll make their their chapter the milestones in between as they develop it. I on the other hand, typically have a general idea of where I want the story to end up as. It's mm-hmm. not a fixed uh end per se, and that develops as I write it okay and I don't typically <gasps> outline as well as others
1: Mm-hmm.
2: outlining
1: never. Outlining, yeah. the, expi- You gotta explain these things Because I don't know what outlining is So for outlining Outlining you'll see some authors who mm-hmm. Will do it Will have just notebooks full of We are going to start here with This character, this character, this character Doing this, move to this scene And they will write it out Scene by scene, chapter by chapter Just the basic points And then they'll take that and they'll write it out Into the actual story mm-hmm. So by the time they're done with their outline They've got their story, pretty much, and that's just fleshing it out and filling it out.
0: Yeah, with dialogue and you know imagery and all However, that. However, you
1: yeah. usually get into a rut when you do that and end up with, well, how do I get them from here to here? Well, we're just going to do a scene cut. Okay. Or something else that doesn't fit right. It just doesn't in...
0: flow. Yeah. It's not, doesn't flow as naturally.
1: You'll usually see it in books when they have... Oh, time skips are... A thing, yeah. We're just gonna skip four months right here. Okay,
0: so you so you can read a like a, a story in a book, and you can tell that they're
1: they they used the outlining style. Sometimes it depends on the author. Some mm-hmm. of them are very very good and have the practice to flow it out and make it feel natural. But especially with newer writers, you can at least as far as I am. I don't know about you, but you can tell when they've usually outlined. Overboard hmm To the point where everything is already pre-planned. Okay. And it just feels like, ah, here was one of the plot points they wrote. Because the rest, it's a well-written, detailed scene. And then the rest, everything before and after, it just kind of feels rushed. Like, they're trying to get to this point. Yeah. I got you. This is all that matters. The rest, it's there to fill pages.
0: So it just kind of loses its fluidity. Mm-hmm. So,
2: so piggybacking off of what uh, Colin was saying. How there. dare you say that <laughs> in my house?
0: Okay, so just for context, just to piggyback. The, the piggybacking is a is a term that uh, in the military, uh, there's usually like a big like meeting or there's like a conference. Kind of everyone gets pulled into um, our commander and our like uh, enlisted chief will call this like thing called an all call and they bring all the all the airmen and you know NCOs and all that and they'll 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 speak about something that's to, coming up. and it'll always be um, the commander and then like the chief will just be like, just to piggyback off of what the commander was saying. And so and that's then like, you'll get we, the
1: first sergeant yeah and then the first sergeant. to piggyback off what chief said. yeah,
0: and then they're basically just regurgitating the exact same thing that they just said. Uh, but they just wanted to get their, their voice in there, too. So, I don't know. It's funny. It's funny that you use that term. <laughs> you got of got to be there, I guess. <laughs> What's up?
2: I'll uh, throw my two shillings in. Okay,
0: that's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, throw that. Yeah, Here's my two cents.
2: Basically, um... no shoot, i should i'm sorry I man I, my, I threw my, off your sh- entire <laughs> chain of thought well, well let's move on to the next <laughs> right. uh,
0: let's move on to this next question that i have um i wanted to know about you, your each of your underlying themes because i think that every story and this is me personally has to have like what are you trying to say you know so what is the underlying theme inside of your stories that y'all have been working on and then after that we can go into these specific stories so you can kinda of explain well, this is the this is the world that I'm building, this is kind of the characters, and this is kind of where I wanted to end up and I'm trying to express something like this. And so what do you think your themes like if you could wrap it up into like a sentence or a paragraph or I doesn't matter, you can flush it out as much as you like. I just kinda of wanna know what is what are you trying to tell the world through your writing?
2: Well, for the several stories that I've been developing, a lot of it uh, Their plot points and what my drive was for them occurred during uh, Deep Depression. Oh. So, in those times, when I came up with these characters and plot points, it was, I guess, my way of dealing with my issues at the time. Yeah. So, a lot of it stemmed around um, acceptance, finding someone who... um,
0: Like, see you desires
2: you, it's -hmm. like, but not just like in a physical aspect, it's like they need you emotionally, physically. Um, they that general desire that many people like connection, yeah, that look for in life a significant to be significant in someone else's eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, other themes would come up to where it's like, can you fall in love with someone that you have never met? Like, all you've seen is glimpses of them but can do you truly love them Mm -hmm. not just as a superficial aspect yeah those are themes that i try to convey in my writing with those characters okay and then other themes are discovering who you really are it's not just the fact it's like well are you a product of your own choices and how much of that is the difference between being nature versus nurture
0: yeah yeah I was gonna go into. <laughs> I hate that term, nature versus nurture. But I mean, because I, I think that it's nature and nurture plus consciousness, so conscious thought. But we, are, I've already fleshed that out. So on this podcast, too many times to count. So, <laughs> but I do, I do like that. I think that's a. That was kind of a way for you to, put other characters into a situation that you're seeing, and you're able to flush out your own ideas and your own beliefs, and see it kind of made manifest inside your writing, and really grow as you grow as an individual. So that's kind of your theme. I like that, I think it's great. I think it's probably really therapeutic at at the same time because you are able to start making sense of your own emotions and your own ideas and be able to work through them in a positive way, constructively. So what do you think, what's your
1: theme? When I start, I usually stick to a couple main ones that are fairly prevalent through every story I write. If you want something, it will not just come to you uh, you have to struggle mm-hmm. and fight for it loss is a thing you can't escape it as much as we all would like and learning to deal with that is probably one of the most important lessons life can teach you yeah i think that the world needs to hear that now or at least in the west more than anything
0: um with everything that's going on with like you know politically. It's probably one of the most divisive times. I mean, people, at least people are more vocal about you know their opinions, and and you have like strong right and strong left, and strong left is like basically I don't want to have any responsibility. That's the state's job to, to provide me all of these you know rights and rights and uh-huh. rights and rights. It's like well, what have you earned? I, I, if we give you everything, then you have no no reason to grow. And the only way to grow and to get things that you really, really want and to really appreciate them and have gratitude for them is to fight for them. You mm-hmm. know, struggle for them because that's what makes it meaningful. It's just like it's just like working out, you know? You're not gonna go in there and be able to to bench press like four hundred pounds on on your first day at the gym. You gotta start somewhere and you gotta struggle and it's gonna be painful and eventually you're going to grow from that. That's a that's a, a good analogy that I like mm-hmm. to use. I like that. So Go ahead and start me off with um, with Mike. I want to hear a little bit about your story. Just kind of give us a, like, what's the world and what are the characters? Like, you don't have to go into all the characters, but kind of what is, like, we already talked about theme, but put it into a world. Try to build it a little bit. So is it sci-fi? Is it fantasy? What do you think? What is it?
1: Bastardization. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs>
2: My world is is fantasy-based. Oh, cool. Um, the driving force behind the actual world itself for me was to satisfy my own, I guess, desire to see certain things answered that wa- wasn't being answered in books that I was reading at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the whole premise behind my world is magic. Magic okay. is everywhere, but many books for, that I was reading didn't really give me a satisfying explanation. It's like, well...
0: Like of the magic system and yes, where it comes from. And, yes. Yeah. So,
2: okay, I'm going to say Alakazam. Well, yeah. why is Alakazam the the words that you speak yeah. in order to cast whatever spell that you're doing?
0: Yeah, and what power is it drawing off from? You yes. know? Is, it, is it an essence that's like air? Is it an element? Or is it something that's like metaphysical that comes from a deity. So I see what you're saying. You would Mm -hmm. like, you, you care about knowing where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, uh, one of the books that I read, it was, that really got me into writing. what reading fantasy was uh, Aragon books. Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's the, the true name of everything, but it has power. So there's like fire and water, all these elements and all these specific things. They all have a, a name, And even a person has a true name, so his names could be Aragon, but like he has a real, true name. And if you have that name, you control it. If you you understand it, so I liked that idea, and I see kind of where you're coming from. So, what what was your magic system like? What does it draw off of?
2: So it it's definitely not original, but (laughs) no, that's fine. (laughs) I mean, it's fine because Uh, I kind of stuck with the basic. ideology that you have your four major elements so Mm -hmm. wind earth fire water etc however magic is the purest form of all that is created so magic in itself is in its most pure form is the combination of all elements and I took some inspiration from other things so from the anime metal alchemist yeah uh, they use the laws of equivalent exchange. Yeah, I took that ideology and took some Dialed some ideas it from it. <laughs>
1: Dialed it up to 11.
2: In a way. <laughs> so with magic, raw magic functions similarly to your alchemist stones in that you don't need the actual physical components there to create something. It is literally... Uh, creation in an energy form,
0: and you're like the catalyst.
2: Yes, you can. Man- you have to manipulate it in such a way. And as mortals in my world, they eventually discovered a way to um, untangle. Control. It's like untangle magic and separate the elements that com- that is woven into the fabric of magic itself. Okay. So. They could isolate fire, water, earth, etc. and use those and combi- recombine them and weave those elements to create new things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: However, at a cost.
0: What's the cost? Oh, I mean, Mortal, it's, it it's like
2: mortals are are innately magic, magical in themselves. It's like yeah. all living creatures. It doesn't matter. It's like even like stone and whatnot. And magic functions in a way... Similar to radiation in my world, if your exposure to it is too great, you will mutate out of control and you will die. Hmm. Um, the best way I could put it is that magic, the, the well, the human soul—it's in my world—is the most powerful form of magic. There is nothing that like it. You cannot recreate it. You can recreate stone and so on, but you cannot make the soul. And that soul is what uh, encourages your growth, encourages the evolution of life, and every sentient being, is that or living creature has that spark to them. And over time, as that creature struggles, it will manipulate their evolution. And it'll create new things. It's about them. So whether they grow taller because they need to reach fruit in order to survive and eat from trees, okay, or they grow smaller and they have better night vision, etc.
0: So like a faster form of uh, adaptation and evolution. Yes. Right.
2: However, when you start screwing, you consciously
0: around, think about it, though. It's like they do not. So I can like I I need to be taller so that I can start reaching these things. It just kind of happens. Yes. As the as they as they go about their lives, they yes. they breed, come to challenges, and their body will adapt mm-hmm. in a quicker
2: quicker way. Yes. So, Originally, that's how it happened. Okay. Um, once um, the sentient races in my universe uh, realized what the capability is of magic, where they started futzing with it,
1: as and,
2: humans are want to do. Yes.
0: Yeah, they want to understand it. A mm-hmm. lot, you know, kind of like science. So. Basically, like that's their form in this fantasy world of like scientists are trying to unravel the mysteries of magic and they end up creating things that they probably shouldn't have touched or they don't understand yet. So it just becomes so is that where the struggle kind of starts?
2: Um, Part of it. Yes. So naturally, with something that is so potent and so powerful, man, it's like men in our infinite wisdom would like to weaponize it. yeah. And eventually this led to complications. Like, well, what is the best method of using it? Um, who's in charge of saying that this is the best way of using it, etc.? World politics come into play. And eventually, one of the foremost uh, civilizations that had pioneered the entire concept of being able to weave magic and create wondrous new things eliminating illnesses and so on sailing the seas and crossing the oceans without having to worry about the myriad of dangers they went to war
0: how many um, how many countries or factions are there in your world and and they, are they all warring against each other or is it like two separate like alliances do you the, see what I'm saying the, like basically like World of Warcraft you got an yeah. Alliance and Horde and so or is it multi-faceted, like multiple it's countries. It's many, all, many, many nations. Okay, so a lot of nations, they're all kind of fighting against each other. Yeah. So there isn't really a whole lot of alliances. Yeah. Everyone's, it's kind of like a, like the space race, I guess, or like the nuclear race. Everyone's trying to race to get as much knowledge to weaponize mm-hmm. and so that there can be a world power. Each nation wants that on their own without allies?
2: Um, not entirely true. So I'm just asking. Yeah, like, there's so, with my universe, um... The, the setting that the story takes place is after that grand civilization has fallen.
0: Okay, so this is like the beginning. Yes, this so is the beginning. So they talk about how when they first started trying to weaponize it and then what the consequences of it was. Yes. And, and okay. Alright, so every human has their or I guess you said every, you know, mortal, so I'm guessing there's multiple races. Yes. Okay. So every every, like humanoid conscious thinking speaking being yeah can weave magic
2: with proper training yes with proper training
0: so there is no like well this race has no affinity for magic it's not like that so everyone has an equal amount of affinity for it
2: for the most part if you are taught how to do it you can do it unless there is a by like a biological uh negating effect that you have okay and some species, because they're not quite sentient anymore, uh, they're usually considered mutants. All right. To the extreme. Um, that was
0: because they, they overdid it and ended up yes. changing they, them too much.
2: Yeah, they were exposed to extreme quantities and. Through freak mutations yeah. they actually became resistant so
0: so like plug in your laptop into like a, a for like you know you go to a foreign country and you plug it into something that has a lot higher wattage and it just fries it yes okay it's good that's a good analogy <laughs> and then you're just like well it's done and so you, you lose a lot of like I guess your humanity and you just become some are they like highly aggressive some or, are some um, are
2: so the continent that um, my story takes on, takes place on uh, was the continent that this old civilization once resided on, and much of the modern civilizations don't exactly understand what happened to them. Okay. All they know is that there is now kilometers long, great magical scar in the land where they are, the center of their civilizations once resided. The only thing that they know for a fact is that that wound in the land could only have occurred through the release of astronomically large amounts of magic. It's so so catastrophic. The best way I could describe it is if someone dropped a hydrogen bomb on the continent.
0: So they were trying to. So basically, what happens is they were trying to harness it and like too much, too much power, and do too much stuff at once, and. They couldn't, they couldn't take it and it caused a calamity in that?
2: In a sense. Okay. Uh, their hubris uh, with their control over it, they believed that they could control other, other, uh, their political adversaries, so to speak. And when those political adversaries turned out to be just as advanced as they were, mutual destruction basically occurred. Not necessarily because they wanted to destroy each other, one thing led to another, and when one side decided to press the button, it ended up taking them both out at the same time.
0: Mutually assured destruction. But they didn't want that. They just no. they were trying to. Let me try this out real quick.
2: <laughs> A lot of it was uh, an act of desperation okay. on the losing faction. It's yeah. like, well, we have one last gambit to make to try and ensure that we don't yeah. get annihilated ourselves. It either works,
0: or we both we both die. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I got you. Is that the is that the kind of underlying pressure? because um, that's all articulated in the very beginning of the story like this is how magic works this is the this is what happened here is that kind of like the threat that's because this is how many years later this is when the story starts after that those it's events it's
2: hundreds of years a okay. lot so in the aftermath the surviving uh civilization had that as their their lesson to the next generation but i got you. that slowly got lost over time it's like
0: now history is starting to repeat itself, kind yes. of. They start seeing this rise of, we can do everything. It's that arrogance, I guess yes. you would say. So They've lost the wisdom of the past.
2: Yeah. A lot of it is that they, the current civilizations are built off of the ruins of the old. And a lot of the knowledge, they didn't actually discover themselves. They're just finding old tomes. It's like try, It's like uh, learning how rockets and machine guns work. But you don't fully understand the mechanics behind it, but you know, so you know if how you to build these it. Instructions.
0: Yeah. yeah, follow these instructions verbatim, but you doesn't mean that you understand like how it works. You just yes. kind of know how to build it. Yes, right? I got you. I got you. All right, that's cool. So that is the threat, though. They're just starting like all the countries are starting to do this.
2: Uh, one major, one primary faction. It was kind of a an alliance between four major nations. Okay, and between these four major nations. They had eventually reached an agreement, okay. Each of us have ruins of relevancy. Mm-hmm. Each one uh, specializes in specific areas of magical manipulations. We so do
0: some kind of like international trade deals yes. and stuff. okay? Yes. yeah, i'll i'll give I'll show you how to do this if you give us the stuff to show us how to do that.
2: Yes, all right. It was a trade of information, okay. Um, however, one, uh, one nation in particular bordered on the edge of where the great calamity occurred uh-huh. and they were the front line to fend off against the horrible creatures that would wander from there. Mm. And they suffered the ravages of mag- of unchecked magic. Themselves. That's
0: right. So they didn't actually die in the calamity. They didn't all die. Some of them probably did, but I mean, most of them turned into like horrible Mutated. So that they're powerful then, the mutated, you know yes people. So super powerful because they're just unhinged? Yes. Okay. A cool, lot of cool, them
2: cool. went insane. Alright. Um, and these creatures are basically irradiated monsters. And just being in proximity to them exposes you to that radiation okay oh which causes a chain reaction where
0: like you're you're mutating because like you said before like you your body's like going undergoing a pretty rapid evolution as you're doing your day-to-day life or whatever with continued exposure yeah but with continued exposure from someone who is like basically emanating too much magic all the time it'll affect you in a negative way yes does your main character like is there what's unique about your main protagonist
2: He's unique primarily because he was the leading expert within his country and well-respected amongst all the other nations. He is the reason where a lot of advancement in the arts of weaving uh, was rediscovered and implemented into society. He had grand ideas like, well, we can use this power to build walls and canals and great civic like services infrastructure and yes stuff like infrastructure that. to help those who are struggling on the frontier right so um, he's kind of
0: a, a weaving engineer yes but his his idea and aim was to create a better infrastructure for the world to modernize it and everything yes. like that but then there are other nations that are like well we're, we're, we're talking about how can we use this for for warfare right yes and so i got you yeah. but, so he's just a really smart dude with weaving and does he have a high like um Can he do more with magic than most people as a conduit? Or is he still kind of like the same as everybody else? He just has a lot of knowledge on how to balance it all.
2: He's very intelligent, but the vast majority of mortals still cannot harness the full potential without putting themselves at tremendous risk. Mm -hmm. Um, For anyone who's familiar with the Witcher and Geralt or Rivia,
0: yeah, most people are now. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Toss yeah. That tool, yo. <laughs> um. Being able to fight is still extremely prevalent in my universe. Okay. Because you are you are exposing yourself to magical energies, even as minuscule as as uh, just creating like a small campfire, you are still exposing yourself to stronger doses of magic that you otherwise would.
0: So there's a limit. Do they know the limit, though?
2: Typically, yes. Um, Military, the most respected individuals in my world are doctors. Okay. Uh, Specifically doctors who use magic to heal people. Okay. It's an extremely self-sacrificing field. Because in order to recreate flesh and the intricacies of a living creature requires extensive knowledge through biology, anatomy, and just surgical prowess, but also in knowing what makes up your body. Mm -hmm. And that requires a lot of magic in order to uh, heal someone.
0: And it takes a toll on the doctors?
2: Yes. A doctor, the average age in my world would be around... 120.
0: Okay, that's like... That's their midlife? That's So from beginning
2: to, to end. Okay, so it's they, like they from, make it to like
0: 120 years old, yeah, roughly.
2: Okay. Most of them. A doctor will be lucky if he reaches 80.
0: Oh, so it is self-sacrificing.
2: Yes. He will die long before he reaches old age. Wow. Just because of the ravages of him using magic to heal people. And so magic... in being used for that purpose is used extremely sparingly only for like the most critical of cases so that this person is going to die tomorrow or something or right now
0: so what's the threat that the main character is facing throughout the
2: story the story picks up right after my lead character is his country is conquered um his country was the foremost um advocates in weaving technology but they had become arrogant it's like well we are the most advanced we have the most ruins that allow us access to uh ancient tomes and knowledge and they started hoarding it and because of that that uh alienated the other nations to the point to where it's like all right we've had it it's a we are not going to put up with you being the bully anymore and so they invaded and they conquered his country. What is the biggest issue that he has is that everything that they used were his theories. Uh, he it, I guess you could kind of make him akin to Albert Einstein. Okay. He learned how to do nuclear fission. But Splitting the military the, atom and stuff yeah, that. the military yeah. turned it into a weapon.
0: Yeah, they then they asked him to to be a part of like the uh, the Manhattan Project and he said no.
2: That I do not know.
0: I have to look into the history again. It's been a while since I've read that. All right, man. Thank you for that. I I can't wait. We'll flesh it out more because I want to hear more about it. Um, But I need to get to Cullen over here. What's your story? What's the underlying theme? And what's your characters? What's your world like? Like, just
1: build it for us, man. So I took a world where all the magic, all the old races are gone. Old races as in... The dwarves, the elves, the dragons. So we're talking straight, like,
0: archetypal fantasy kind of standards. Or it was. All right.
1: Now, it's just humanity. What happened? That is revealed in the book, but... Major plot point. Can't reveal it. Eh, It can (laughs) be revealed. No one really knows, I guess. Uh, There is a single person who knows, and that's simply because he's lived for... 10,000 years.
0: Okay, so he's like a mortal in a sense.
1: To a degree. Okay. He used his own unique brand of magic to step himself outside of time. Okay. He does not age. He does not influence the world too much. But he just keeps watching and keeping records. Okay. So as each kingdom rises and falls, he makes sure that all they knew is not lost. so he is the sole survivor of the era when magic truly was plentiful in the world and everyone knows that he's like like, no one knows that he's actually like immortal
0: nobody so he doesn't he doesn't share his like wisdom and knowledge with people well he does but he doesn't reveal that he's actually been around all that time he's just like well i'm a records keeper you know he will just show up at a critical
1: moment and whisper a few words and disappear
0: okay so he's kind of an obscure figure you know, um, what's the, what's the threat?
1: The threat is largely a single man with aspirations far too large for what he can actually obtain. So, like world domination. Exactly.
0: So he's like Hitler.
1: Except he makes Hitler look benign. Really. He is a sociopath of the highest degree. Super smart, I'm assuming? He is smart enough to know what he does not know, and how to get people who do know that thing to do it for him. Okay. And it's that master is Master his... manipulator. Yes. Okay. He knows my army, while strong, cannot possibly take on each one of these opposing forces simultaneously or even sequentially. <clears throat> so, I need something that can Even the odds. What is it? He goes after a group of barely adults who have no place to call home, but are one of the most sought-after mercenary groups, surely because an anomaly in an age-old ritual caused them to have pure access to magic. Magic is a thing. There are wizards and mages, but it's very exhausting how does your magic system work before the fall of the elves and the old races magic was free and wild you just had to think it and it would happen as this became too prevalent it began killing the users so in what way
0: like what's the cause for the
1: it would overdraw their own energy it would do the Oh well, you want this, so let's do it over and over and over. And before they can stop it, it has killed them.
0: So they can't like stop it from like it runs it, it rampant. Loses control, it loses control of yes. like you know harnessing
1: it, and it just kind of runs too too hot. And it began to kill them off until it became a literal magical plague. Right.
0: But the only way to con- to like grow in your control is to keep pushing the limits, I guess you would say. And then yes. every once in a while, like most of the. Like, more often than not, people would just push just a little
1: bit too far and then just lose control altogether. In those days, it was a known quantity. They would watch each other to help prevent it. hmm Until suddenly some of these masters are being affected. And they're dropping dead in the middle of lessons. Oof. Oof. That's a big oof, dude. <laughs> guess you're not a master anymore. <laughs> so... They, by the time they could comprehend the nature of this threat, they were down to being numbered in the hundreds instead of the tens of thousands. So did they end up creating, like, laws that you're not allowed to push past this point? They bound magic within a set of rules, which were then lost, of course. Yeah. But they forced it to, they gave it a name for each element. Everything now had structure instead of being free. And with their death, there was three humans left who, due to their proximity to this spell, were left with an inordinate amount of magical power. As it siphoned all of the magic from the world into a single point and then redistributed it in its new harnessed form.
0: So even magic system,
1: like, evolves. Magic is... Think of it as a living entity to a degree. It, prior to that, was free and wild. It was a trickster. Okay. It just, oh, well, I guess I'll do that for you. You have... Sure, sure. So
0: it kind of has a consciousness, is what you're saying? In, a, in a weird way?
1: Hmm? It's such a massive, broad... Thing, that it cannot focus on something, but it does have, to a degree, a will of its own. Okay. As they began overusing it and using it up, it became hostile to them.
0: So was it like a, so there's a limit to, to if magic? If it's not it...
1: replenished, they okay. would bind magic into enchantments and runes and these massive awe-inspiring cathedrals. How does it replenish itself? Now, after it's bound, every spell eventually fades back into the hole.
0: After it's been used, it gets repurposed back into the... Yes.
1: Okay. That In essence. the old days, it was bound there until they wished it free. So as the magic lessened and lessened, the magic became hostile. Okay. Because they keep putting it into, like... like... We're going to make a fountain that never runs out.
0: Okay. I see what you're saying. So that you take a piece out of... That kind of essence, that Without entity, ever returning sense. it, and you just keep it, and then so everyone keeps doing that, to uh-huh. where like hey 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 hey, like, I'm I'm you know, I'm literally a, like a fraction of what I once was, and that's why it became hostile. Yes. Okay.
1: So now you have people who carry this bloodline from those original three. Okay. <clears throat> where through some freak of the ritual which actually comes down to genetics, but that's completely outside their realm of understanding. Yeah, their realm. Okay. Their realm. These bloodlines contain people who, with a thought, magic behaves in the old way. Ah, I see. They are so ridiculously powerful that they are hunted.
0: So these be- that's what the, the the antagonist ends up doing. He ends up finding these people? Yes. That's bloodline. And then what does he just like recruit them in? And
1: He, being a master manipulator, portrays it as we are weak and need your help. They are about to strike us down.
0: No, So it gives them a threat that they can prevent. Yes. Some kind and he of purpose does it and meaning.
1: here and here. Well, we these people are oppressed and they don't have enough food. We'd like to bring them into this greater whole to yeah. help raise them up.
0: Our empire.
1: <laughs> no, no. Just we seek to aid all men. We seek to help everyone. I got you. Even as he.
0: So he's basically like convincing them that if you if you help me do this, we'll, we'll create a utopia. The yes. whole world will be at peace and everything like that, and people will stop dying because we know how, like you know and we know how to like move forward. And this, you know, I guess you would say the great leap forward. If anybody has history, they understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's how he portrays it. (laughs) Yeah. And all of these. But he already knows, so it's not like he already. He was like, that is my aim is to make a better place. No, he was like, I just want to. I want to rule. This is the
1: perfect way to turn them into puppets. Yeah. And they are an unstoppable force, realistically. Okay. There is six people from these different bloodlines But
0: the main protagonist isn't that. He's just an old... He just sees it coming.
1: The age-old character, he's the scribe for this story.
0: So he's kind of like the narrator?
1: He is, in in essence, the narrator when it's required. Okay. But the actual protagonist is one of these... Three. Barely Mm -hmm. adults.
0: Okay. But there are more than just the three. The three was where it started. Yes. The bloodline is is what... uh, where he where he comes from, I'm guessing. Maybe yes it that. is. Alright,
1: I'm following that. So these this group of friends, this mercenary company, who well, we're just looking for a place to call our own. Some place we can relax, we can call home. Cause only one of them has a single surviving parent. Okay. So does the main protagonist kinda of like see what's going on and and separates? He is blinded. For the most time, he wants to believe that they are finally making this world a better place. Yeah, fighting for a utopia, because the wars have been nonstop for centuries. So the whole world has been at war pretty much. Not always. There has never been a year of peace on the continent. Like conventional war, or are we, like if you there has never been a year of peace. Okay. Two, three, four kingdoms are always striving to take land, Dumb. money, yeah. people. They're actually warring, like not in not, not cold like, war. Just yeah. we are talking armies in the field, magic okay. being used. So these these young adults desire nothing more than if we can do something to make this world better, we will. Okay, And the bad guy happens to be the person who brought him in and gave him,
0: like, if we do this, then we'll have world peace. Mm-hmm. And so it just happens to be they don't know that he's actually the worst of the worst.
1: <laughs> and as they grow and learn and grow into their own power, of which they grow so far beyond the comprehension of even this king's advisors, they begin to see not all is as it seems. And that's when they transition more to we need to fight for what we actually want.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We need to even the odds. So what is... what is uh, what is uh And the main character, I'm guessing, is the one who figures all that out first and convinces everybody? He puts some of the pieces together. He's not the only one. Mm-hmm. He's got his friends. They each have their strength. Yeah. His, he is simply the most... Capable of destruction out of them. Oh, so he's the strongest. So everyone kind of looks at him as, like, the leader, I guess? He is the only one who naturally harnesses fire. Okay. And explosive force. That is his element. He can weave it and cast it like it's second nature. He can burn a castle from the inside out. If he chooses. Effortlessly. Eh, not effortlessly. <laughs> it requires a lot of energy, but he can accomplish feats that he has that
0: ability to control it like yes like that has the highest affinity for for
1: flame magic Mm
0: -hmm. and and can
1: compact it into
0: where it actually has an explosive
1: yeah he will superheat the air in a certain area to cause it to explode
0: that's awesome man so where is the... So after they, they start figuring it out, do they go off on their own and cra- create their own
1: nation? Or do they start siding with a bunch of other nations? Or what, what, what happens? By this point, when all the pieces come together and everything lines up, the last, ci- the last city has fallen. And it's just their moment of utter, what have we done? So they actually did conquer the world. They did for this guy. And it's them and this small party of soldiers that he gave them as their personal guard, who were originally supposed to be there to if they start to turn against his wishes, guide them back to what he wanted or to end them. But through all this fighting and protecting not just this mercenary company, but the soldiers They grew a bond that was more of the, well, dipshit over here is trying to (laughs) fuck everything up. But they're actually trying to make the world better. Oh, so they changed their, their tune. They decided, fuck it. These kids are the future. I'd rather see them succeed than him. Okay. So they kind of end up becoming their own nation? They form with the help of some of the smaller... Think of them as, like, merchant republics. They are run by a council of—a small city that's run by a council of merchants. Okay. And so they're not—they haven't been dominated yet. No. He only had his sights set for the first bit of the plan on the actual kingdoms. Mm-hmm. The ones that can field massive armies that could oppose him. He views these merchant republics as just
0: he didn't vagrants. Them. Yeah, he they're didn't, there yeah.
1: to be taken later. Okay. Yeah they begin throwing their support behind this mercenary company. Once they change like once they change yes. size. Right. And as they lead this Rebellion, I guess? Rebellion slash liberation force. Taking back the cities they'd just taken, beating back this tyrant. As they restore the thrones to their rightful rulers, or in many cases, many, many cases, their heirs. And trying to forge a better way for all these kingdoms to work their problems out instead of. So yeah, once they once they save them from
0: the the bad guy, then they kind of give them this kind of ultimatums like no more warring against these people. Like we're gonna we're gonna establish just like the mercenary merchant republic. They're establishing a republic to where we actually talk things out. We have summits, and every kingdom will be able to discuss things. So basically, making it to where. They have
1: to agree that they're going to... They agree. try, but if you blame this person for the death of your father, mm-hmm. are you going to want to work with them? No. That's so the issue so they you have end up facing. to convince them after you re- liberate them. Yes. Gotcha. So the first story kind of ends with the forming of their own council away from the kingdoms. A place where those of the bloodlines can safely come... Yeah. So
0: they're trying to build their utopia small, every time that they, while well, also simultaneously warring against this totalitarian yes. empire, emperor. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I love that story. Both of y'all's stories are awesome. I think once they're fully flushed out, I can't wait to read them. So <laughs> thank you guys for coming out here, man. That was awesome. Anytime. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to talk more about that stuff. We could possibly have another episode talking about, like, you know, any more ideas and just bouncing off more story driven stuff. But I think that y'all stories are really, really unique. I love, I love people that are creative. I think that that creativity, people don't really think as much anymore. You know, they just kind of, they just watch Netflix and they allow other people that are creative to just, they just feed off of that, but they don't even think about their own creativity and their own individuality and uniqueness and try to flush that out and understand that everybody has that. So Really appreciate you guys coming on and actually talking about it, and you know, no be- talking about your stories too. So, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it there, guys. I think that it was a great that was a great episode. I was I just really wanted to hear y'all's stories and how you guys wanted to world build something out of out of nothing, basically, and what the influences were. And I think that it was awesome, man. So go ahead and say goodbye to our, our 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 people, our listener base.
2: Well, thank you all for having us here. And our gracious host, and maybe sometime in the future we'll be discussing a little bit more about some of the more weirder ideas we've got. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think we'll talk about like D and D next time, because I mean you're like you're both pretty much like dungeon masters, so
2: uh, definitely more. Yeah,
0: more more Colin but <laughs> you still you, you you do a pretty good job. You could probably run your own thing, and that's a that's a whole different type of storytelling. That's kind oh. of like on the fly storytelling, so. That probably really helps with your writing as well. So
1: Practice makes perfect. Yeah. Well, hope everyone has a nice day. Thank you for hosting us as always.
0: No problem, man. It's always a pleasure to have you guys on. All right. Well, you can find this episode on Spotify under Lost Owl Podcast as well as uh, Apple Podcast under the same. And if you want to reach out to me with a question or um, new topics, criticisms, whatever, you can email the podcast uh, with lostowpodcast at yahoo.com. And you can also find me on Facebook under uh, Trent Colton Castleberry, and you can send me a direct message if it's something you want to ask personally or, or troll me. I'll just block you, but it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm really uh, really looking forward to, to hearing from you guys. And uh, so that's we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for hanging out with us and talking about storytelling, creative writing. Anytime. All right, guys. Enjoy the outro music. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.